Alright, hello and welcome to Mas Locos, episode dos for real this time. Last week I said it was episode dos. Uh, that was not <laughs> the case, because we scrapped the first one and the audio didn't work out. But here we are. Uh, I'm Tyler Pino. Who are you two gentlemen? This is Eugene Velasso. And Gian Gomez. It is good to hear from you fellas. Mm. So, uh, how's it going? How's your weeks? Uh, my week's been pretty good. Not much has gone on. Recently, I've just been, like, working on more paintings. I've kind of, uh, I've kind of cut myself off from the outside world, and I've just been watching YouTube and, uh, painting. That ain't bad. That ain't bad. Fuck the outside world sometimes. I get that way, too. Like, and I'm not really productive when I do it. Like, you could do art. You could, you're always making shit. But Mm -hmm. my art, it's like theater. You have to have permission to do it from other people. So, like, I'll just sit around and do absolutely fuck all. Uh... We'll watch a lot of internet pornography, read some comic books. There's always a certain amount. I, sometimes, I mean, because I, 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 I do get into, like, internet pornography binges. But recently I've stopped watching internet porn only because um, I feel like it's energy draining. You know? Like, as silly that, as that sounds. Like, I just, I feel less, uh, I feel less positive after I've watched four hours HIV. of internet porn. <laughs> I feel like HIV. Yeah, yeah, HIV. yeah no, I totally know. Yeah, I know what you mean. Like there, there, there is a there's a line that you can't really cross, and or, you, or else you're just draining yourself of uh, of your vital fluids. Mm-hmm. Your uh, <laughs> literally your, your energy. <laughs> yeah, your chi energy. Oh, Do you remember man. that movie, The Faculty? That came out a long time ago. I, I that was the lizard movie, right? So uh, it was like they were aliens. Like the, the aliens invade this high school and they like take over the teachers' bodies. I just remember this seeing it when I was a child. And the opening scene is um, this quarterback and a cheerleader about to do it in the car. And as she's like about to go down on him or whatever, she, he's like, "No, no, coach says I need my fluids." So that <laughs> scene. Because I saw it very young, um, it, it, it influenced the way that I thought uh, human bodies worked. Like, I was like, oh, man, you mean if you fucking come, if you ejaculate, you can't do anything the next day? I, I literally thought that that was a thing. <laughs> up until I was, oh uh, you know, up until I was like 24 <laughs> and had my first orgasm. <laughs> right, right. found that that was right, not of course. <laughs> Whoa, I've been lied to a long time. Well, you know, they say that. <laughs> the faculty movie sucks. They say that about, like, fighters and stuff. Like, you're not supposed to have sex. Oh, yeah, like, they say that for boxers, right? Yeah, right? yeah. Like, yeah. But, I mean, there is some uh, truth to it. Uh, not true, well, for, you know, people believe that. But um, I believe in um, Eastern philosophy, or Western? Eastern? Western? Eastern philosophy. Um, Eastern is, like, Chinese people? Western yeah, 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 is, yeah, like, yeah. Like, uh, everybody else. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think that they're... Let me explain thing. to you the sides of the world, Eugene. Thank you. Mm. But their big thing is um, in, uh, I think it's Taoism. Yeah, Taoism. That if you come, you're losing your life force energy. You're, you're losing your chi. So sure. they, um, they're all about uh, not coming. Like, you can what, have sex. Oh, they, they edge? Is that what they do? They edge? Uh, what, what do you... Edge is like where you get close and then you and stop. Then you stop. But yeah. then you keep going after like a minute or whatever. Yeah, that yeah. sounds horrendous. We're all about that. <laughs> well, that's like how apparently you build up like your stamina too. Like you feel like you don't have a lot of stamina. You can like edge yourself and then 
so you build up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, they also believe that women's vaginas are vampiric and they'll suck the chi energy out of you if you. I actually um, believe that too. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's an easy thing to believe in. Yeah, and they'll um, they'll suck the energy out of you if you do um, come. So basically, like anytime you fuck a girl, you're not supposed to come. So who is this? To who? Oh, well, okay. So um, in the art of war, the forward explained. Um, when I read the forward, at least, um, it explained um, their ideas about sex and stuff like mm-hmm. that. But as far as uh, Taoism goes and not coming, I mean, that's pretty well known. Like Ninja from the Ant Word, we were just talking about it earlier. Yeah. He, um, he's actually um, a real, real big into Taoism. And um, he. Uh, I really would never have guessed. But doesn't he have like three kids? Yeah, yeah, because, I mean, he finally gave up, but on his earlier work, uh-huh. you can hear him talking about, like, how long it's been since he's ejaculated. Oh, so. okay, gotcha. But, um, yeah, he's a big Taoist. As a matter of fact, you guys all know that, like, that's that, that whole uh, ninja thing, he went through three or four, actually, yeah, maybe three or four different alter egos before he landed. Right, in yeah, yeah. He, he, used to wear, he used to wear a suit and, like... Yeah, he was Max Normal. That yeah, Max, Max Normal. Normal TV, yeah. That was weird. Yeah. There's a really awesome album, though, called the... Um, oh, my God, what's it called? It's called the... Um, I just had it on the tip of my tongue. But it was, like... Oh, God, I wish I could remember the name of it. Anyways, this album was really cool. It was Ninja before he was Ninja, and it was... Um, Oh, the name of it is right on the tip of my tongue. Oh, the Constructus Corporation. And this was Ninja before he was Ninja. He was still a hip-hop artist, but he... This was like a three-hour album that he drew, like, a comic book to go along with. And um, he... All the packaging was, like, his original artwork and stuff. And the Constructus Mm -hmm. Corporation is basically about, like, this weird fantasy story about this uh, kid in space... And they live on a space station, and he's like a, a rapper on a space station, and his best friend's a robot and shit. And Ninja <laughs> goes through like a, a, a wide range of different voices and stuff. And the stuff sounds like it's like like it, it's from the future, you know. And mm. it happened about right. ten years ago. So just a little history about the Antwerp. That's pretty and, cool. Yeah, how they got to be yeah, the Antwerp. You don't really see that too often anymore, like the, the idea of the concept album that tells a story. Mm-hmm. Uh, it used to be like, it used to be huge back in... Uh, yeah, a couple years you know, ago, back I in feel the like day. It was, it was kind of big. What was uh, like, King Ghidorah? Is that... I know nothing. Oh, really? King Ghidorah? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I didn't uh, get too into him, though. Yeah, I mean, I listened to one album by him, and I really liked it. I was like, it was cool. It's like monsters, and it's like silly Godzilla stuff. Like, that's the whole theme of, like, his his hip-hop. Right. <clears throat> or um, that, that persona, because he's got, like, what, th- three or two? Is, I think that's an extension of MF, MF Doom. Right, right yeah, yeah, yeah. But see, yeah, personas are all have always been strong in hip-hop culture, you know? Like, there's Dr. O- Dr. Octagon. Oh, shit. If you listen to any of those oh, albums. Oh, man, those are so good. Yeah. Doc- oh, man. Dr. Octagon and Keith Sweat, I think, is his... Uh, or Cool Keith? Cool is Keith, that, yeah. Oh, is cool it the same Keith. guy? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's the one who does the one about Walmart and trees. I haven't heard that <laughs> He's one. like, I g- <laughs> it's just stupid. It's, it's a funny song. He's a fun... He's got some fun stuff, though. Yeah, dude, I, uh, if you ever listen to his album Sex Style, mm-hmm. it's just like the raunchiest, like, garbage 
that it's real. It's like raunchy garbage, you know? Yeah. Like, he's talking about just, like, the weirdest shit, like, you know, like, I can't even remember. Um, do you, uh, do you listen to R&B? Uh, no. No? You don't, you're not up R&B? See, I didn't think I was a fan of R&B. And then I started listening to, uh, Miguel. I've never heard of him. And he's the like, who? Miguel, he's like a newer, I guess, R&B artist within the last few years or something. And it's kind of like, it's kind of poppy, but like some rock, mm-hmm. enough rock in there that like got me into it. And uh, so it's like weird because I, ha- I made a radio station for it on Spotify and I like like all his songs, and then it gives me all this other shit I don't want to hear. Like it's like, oh, you like Nelly, you like Usher. <laughs> it's like all the stuff. As a matter of fact. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh boy, you don't know my AOL screen name. Uh, no, but it's like yeah, suggesting all this stuff like Jennifer Lopez. I'm like, I don't like any of this. Sh- I just like Miguel. Right. That's so like really, a very small circle. Really, you don't like R and B either. I guess not, but <laughs> that's what they like, classify. Well, a lot of his music is about like love and like sex, so mm. like a lot of it is R and B. It's just newer R and B, so they they just throw it in there thinking I'd like the older R and B. Yeah, which is not the case. Mm. I'm listening to a song right now, Coffee. Coffee, yeah. That, you should listen to Adorn. Adorn's like probably his biggest song. Um, and to kind of get a sense of his style, I guess. Well, he doesn't really sound like this song. From Coffee's what I'm hearing, not. does not sound R and B at all. Like yeah. that sounds. He's got like a soulful voice, but it it sounds like it could just be like, uh, I don't know, whatever the what is like the a, like on the like on the radio or something. Oh oh, poster. It's like uh, I guess poster is emo. It's emotional. It's I don't even. I feel like that word's so outdated now. You can't even use it to categorize yeah, that's music. That's a loaded term. You can't yeah. Really say. It's just indie. I don't know. I think the idea of classifying anything that has to do with the arts is is silly. You know. Yeah. Because it's really just a representation of like that person. You know, or that group of people. Mm-hmm. So, I've always had a problem with um. You know, having a having a name for everything i think it's a human being's need to have a name and a, to like, classify, classify and you everything. you're putting restrictions on what it can be yeah. too so i just recently got into a new street artist i'm using quotes to say that his name is uh anthony lister and mm-hmm. anthony lister's work is very similar to um very similar to david cho's work um but anthony lister just does this like awesome like it's almost it's kind of like outsider art too it's like this i don't give a shit style but he does like this these uh superhero mashups so it'll be like the hulk mixed up with um you know wonder woman and like batman but he's doing it from like you know how in fine arts you can kind of like have this like shitty style and people will still be like oh yeah that's good work you know right like it looks lazy but it's good work Yeah, yeah 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 That's kind of his whole thing. Like this is that like? A, do you mean like every canvas? Everything is right, but uh, you have no style to it. Like you have no, like it's it's technically correct. Everything is well done. Right. But you, there's just no soul to it. It's just like by the numbers. Like yeah, you know, you are a fine artist, but you have no style. No, no. What I mean is like, cause you can be that way too. Uh-huh. But I'm talking about like the. Um, like stuff like Cy Twombly or like um, even Jackson Pollock. 
Okay. Like, so yeah, like you abstract look at that and be like, oh my god, I can make a Jackson Pollock piece. Mm-hmm. But um, the thing is, is that you didn't do it first, you know. And um, so yeah, Anthony Lister's stuff is. Um, he also does dancers like um, like ballerinas, but it's this just very bold, fast like um, um, work, and it's um, it's mostly figures. And but it's just like the way that he layers it and the colors that he uses, it's like amazing. And he's been pretty like pretty big on the streets for a while and stuff like that. Um, it's good work. I saw it at Tate's uh, while I was uh, looking for comic books. Nice. Was this the Tate's in in Boynton or uh, in Fort Lauderdale? I didn't feel like going all the way down to Fort Lauderdale. Yeah, that's a trick. Yeah. Oh yeah, I've definitely seen this guy's stuff before. Yeah, they still dude. got that Tate's in Boynton. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's still really boring. Uh. <laughs> well, it's like a that. I mean, because you kind of compare it to the the real Tate's, the Tate's Prime, if you will. Yeah. Um, and that it's like a fucking warehouse. It, it's like the Walmart of comic book stores. It's got everything. But yeah, the one in Boynton is just kind of a little hole in the wall. It's yeah. functional. It's like if you really want a certain comic, you go there. But not even, because their selection is so limited, you may or well, yeah. may not find that comic. If it's one of the bigger ones, then yeah, you'll probably find right, it. Right, if you're looking for DC, Marvel kind of thing. Yeah. I feel like it's more of a, um, I would call it at this point, a uh, pop culture store. Mm. You know? Oh yeah, they have all those uh, bobblehead, the read, or yeah. the pop, uh, pop well, figures. Just think about it, like, you know, nerdism is like the new in thing right so it's right. basically it's a mixture of comic books um you know well that's really it with that but it's like comic books sci-fi um japanese candies and stuff like that art books and um you know a couple Action of figures, figures yeah. and stuff yeah it is kind of interesting when you think about it it's like none of those things really tend to go together like why is it that you always find like a selection of japanese candy in a comic book store when did how how did those two things become associated right probably because of the manga and then someone was like the animals oh, and mangoes sell some pocky all right well let's bring in more japanese candy yeah mm-hmm. yeah oh man but yeah i was um i wasn't looking for any comic book in particular but um i did I did check out the uh, the newer Batman issues that we were talking about earlier, and I got really upset when I realized that it was... That like, Batman is now chappy? Yeah, yeah, and it's Commissioner Gordon, isn't it? Yes, it is. Um, oh, is that basically, true? That's actually true? I thought that yeah. was like someone pulling everyone's chain on the comments, or I was like, what? Basically what happened was, uh, during the last big Batman story, it was called um, Endgame, was a Joker story, which I stopped reading. It, it totally lost me. It was kind of a rare misstep for uh, uh, Capullo and Snyder, who have been, you know, up until this point, really, really good on their Batman run. Um, but it, it just did things that wasn't really the Joker. I was like, why are you doing that? I understand that you want to explore a new uh, place for the character, but it has Joker. He comes back and he decides that he doesn't like Batman anymore. So he he's like... I've always had, you know, the power to go after you. I just never didn't because it was too fun. Now I'm not having fun anymore, so I'm just going to kill you. Um, So he deduces Batman's secret identity, and right there I'm like, oh, fuck that. Um, Yeah, I don't have any problem with the Joker being able to do that, but the Joker wouldn't want to do that. Right. Um, And so 
Long story short, he ends up, like, quote-unquote, spoilers, uh, killing Batman. Batman and Joker end up what looks like dying. Of course, that's not really the case. Um, anytime they kill Batman, you know that he's coming back almost immediately, and usually it's fine. But this then that's what kicked off uh, the whole Batman section of this new DC relaunch, which they're mm-hmm. calling the DCU. Um, and that's kind of one like, universe, right? There aren't like these no, multiple. I don't. I don't think that they're doing like multiple universes right now, but they call it DCU, but it's Y O U, like the word U, mm-hmm. um, because they're trying to be more inclusive and they're trying to gain new readers, which I think is great. But at least with the Batman stuff, it seems like the way that they're courting new readers is to completely alienate all the old ones. Yeah. Uh, it sounds like we, a very corporate move, you know? Corporations yeah. have a tendency to do stupid things like that. Mm-hmm. But go well, it's ahead. Like, I, I'm half really for it. Like, half of what they did was they, they want to um, make a lot more diversity in the DC lineup. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, cultural diversity. And half of that is great because they're taking, like, they're taking a lot of female writers, they're taking a lot of um, people of color, they're taking a lot of things and giving them writing jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, to me, is, is fantastic, because mm-hmm. it kind of has been a white male game from the writing end of it. The other half, I think it would be great if they're incorporating like new characters, um, like multicultural characters, or even if they're like revamping some of the old characters. Mm-hmm. But what they're basically doing with Batman, and I can't speak for any of the other stuff because I haven't read it yet, but uh, they're like, well, Batman wasn't working for us. We're going to make him completely different. Now he's Commissioner Gordon, and now the entire theme to this new Batman line is like, Batman's missing, or presumed dead, so they need a Batman in Gotham. Um, so the Gotham City Police Department, they put together this Batman program mm-hmm. where they're going to train a cadet to be the new Batman, and he's going to work with the GCPD within the law. And... Uh, which is stupid, but I'm fine, whatever. Uh, but one of the things that they keep coming up with, they're just like, well, to me, Batman is this. And then another character will be like, well, to me, Batman is that. And I think that they're trying to hammer home their idea that uh, the overall idea, it's a very meta idea within this new lineup, that uh, they want superheroes to be something to everybody now, right? They want, like, okay, if I as an individual look at superheroes this way, this is what I want them to be, so this is what it's going to be. And I'm like, fuck that. Have that for new characters, but Batman is Batman. Um, There are some rules about Batman that make the character work. Uh, Making him Commissioner Gordon? That's dumb. I don't know why. Yeah, that's not Batman. uh, This is in... This is after that whole, like, uh, apocalyptic thing that happened to Gotham City, right? They lost power and whatever. Is this taking well, yeah, place? That, that was Zero Year. That was, like, their origin story. Uh-huh. Like, the Riddler floods the city. Um, but, no, the most recent one was with the Joker. He makes, like, a, an army of zombie Joker people, which I was like, oh, this is oh. oh, God, yeah, okay, I'm remembering this now. Didn't he have, like, a daughter... Or something? Yeah, yeah, they brought back the uh, Joker's Daughter character, which is a character that's popped up before. She's variously been, like, Joker's Daughter and Two-Face's Daughter. She's just this chick that likes to emulate villains. 
Yeah. Um, I kind of fell okay. off before that point, so I have no idea who she is, mm-hmm. like, within the modern context. Is the... Um, is that hacker chick still around? Uh, Bluebird. I do not know. She was uh, around in the the ending of Batman Eternal. Okay. And she was like his basically temporary sidekick or pseudo permanent sidekick. Um, I thought that was great. I was like, okay. Yeah, she gonna... was a cool character. I like yeah. her. Yeah. And I, well, you know what I was? Her name was Harper Rowe. They introduced her um, way early on in the New Fifty Two line. And her whole thing was, uh, she, like, she and her brother, like, live by themselves, like, their father was an alcoholic or something, and he's missing. Um, her brother is, she's got, like, a slightly younger brother who's openly gay, mm-hmm. and gets bullied for it, and she, like, tries to help him, and through a series of events ends up coming across on Batman's path. What I thought they were going to do, because she was a little bit too old to be Robin, I think, Mm-hmm. was, like, make her her own thing, and then they were going to have uh, Cullen, which is her younger brother, be the new Robin, because Damien was dead at this point. Um, and I was like, holy shit, that's actually kind of awesome, because for years, DC has been, because of the whole uh, comics code controversy with Wortham back in the 1950s, um, where he's like, Batman and Robin are clearly gay. Mm-hmm. Um, which it's kind of... It's kind of funny that that was the controversy, as opposed to Batman and Robin are in a relationship, and Robin is a small child. Like yeah. that didn't come across any like on anyone's radar. They're just like, oh, they're homosexuals, and that's wrong. They did. They um, yeah, they did a couple things before the uh, comics code. What was the issue exactly that got them like super pissed? Um, I think that the thing that started it was like uh, the old like. Tales from the Crypt comics, like mm-hmm. horror comics. Yeah. But, you know, once he started his crusade, he brought it on to superhero comics. He's like, it promotes violence, it promotes unethical lifestyles, and, right. you know, pulls a bunch of shit out of his ass. And, yeah, but that's not a big thing anymore, right? Because right when they released those issues, I think, um, what was it? Uh, the um, the drug issues, um, where, um, yeah, where basically... Oh man, was it? Oh, give me a second. I'm not as uh, sharp as on comic books as you are, sir. Uh, his name is. Oh, he's got arrows. Oh my God. Green Speedy? Arrow. Um, yeah, Green Arrow. Mm-hmm. Green mm-hmm. Arrow. Yeah, exactly. Speedy um, was using heroin or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he right should have been using speed if you think about it. But yeah, yeah, that would have been awesome. Yeah, that was, well, that was in the. That was, I believe, in the 70s or early 80s. Yeah, yeah. So didn't they, they were just like, well, screw the comic book code because one of the big things in the code is that there's not supposed to be any drug use or zombies, right? Right. Now, I was going to say, speaking of um, the comics code and violent comic books, I recently, um, because I listened, I remember uh, Gian suggested to me to listen to that Grant Morrison interview. Yeah, and um, a lot came out of that. You know, I was listening to it while I was, um, you know, painting and stuff, and I was like, "Oh shit!" I remember Image Comics because he re- he kind of like vaguely brought up Image Comics, and um, it got me looking into all of these old Image comics. And Image was um, created by a couple different um, comic book writers and artists, and all that stuff was like ultra violent. And all of the um, all the plots were kind of like very very linear, you know what I mean for the most part. Right. But I um, I loved those comics as a kid, 
Mm-hmm. One of my favorite ones was Spawn. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah. So I started looking at Todd McFarlane's work, and then I found this guy named Rob Liefeld. Have you ever heard of Rob Liefeld? He created Deadpool. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. And um, it gave me kind of hope as an artist because Rob Liefeld is terrible at drawing. Like, really? he's the worst dude. This guy, um, he he literally will not draw fingers sometimes. Like, a character will be holding swords, and there are no fingers to be found. He's terrible <laughs> at foreshortening um, all of his costumes, because he did X-Force, and he also did... Um, I forget some of the image work he did. Oh, what was the name of it? Actually, I do know... Um, what, well, whatever. The fact of the matter is, all of his characters have like a million pouches on them, and like tons of gear and giant guns. And these dudes yeah, have like nineties. Yeah, like muscles on top of muscles on top of muscles, and he can't draw feet, so the feet are always like hidden, or they look like little pegs or something like that. And the the waists are always short, and the hands are like the hands are like barely there, and all the guys are yelling all the time and shit. And uh, yeah. But yeah. but it made me realize I was like, holy crap! Who number one? Who allowed this to happen? Like, because <laughs> he he was like one of the most comic book artists of his time. And I was like, who who allowed this guy in? You know, right? Who was like, this yeah. guy's the shit? You know. But um, yeah, it just That's gave interesting. me hope. Yeah, because it made me realize like maybe you just have to do it, like regardless of whether or not you know that you. Like, regardless, if you're not the best at it, fuck it. Just go for it, you know? Well, that's the thing. It's like, these people that have really unique styles, um, there there, there are a lot of artists like that. I would say, like, Frank Miller is one of those type people. Like, you know, I, I'm not the biggest fan of his artwork. A lot of people love it. But mm-hmm. it's like, it, it compare Frank Miller to somebody like Jim Lee. And you're like, well, right. this, they're in two completely different leagues. But... His, his style has character, and that's undeniable, and I think it works for the stories that he tells. Right. So, yeah, I think if you just have, you know, something that works, uh, it, it, it doesn't have to be fucking, um, you know, Michelangelo. It doesn't have to be... Uh, it just has to look interesting. Yeah. I mean, but you have to look at this guy's work. Uh, I, Gian saw a picture of Captain America. Oh, it was mm. so bad. There's a great... If you look him up, though, on Google Images, yeah, there's a great side-by-side of the Captain America, like, the original picture drawn, and then, like, the breakdown of it, like, where, <laughs> okay, his, yes. where his hand would be, and, like, what, you know, and why, what everything looks behind the shield. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Like, how yeah, ridiculous. At, uh, yeah, I'm looking at uh, War Child right now. <laughs> War Child, yeah. yeah, that guy. <laughs> Yeah. That was one of his characters. All of his characters like had like these shitty nineties names like Die Hard, War Child, Vogue. You know? Just like right. really yeah, yeah. And you can see all of the different gear that he has that they that he has on him. Terrible mm. foreshortening. I think he might have <laughs> created cable as well. I'm not really sure. That sounds about right, yeah. Yeah. Um It, it, it looks super dope. I mean, that was the era, though. Like, all of those pouches. Like, fucking, like, look back at, uh... 
speaking of people that were Batman that were not Batman, um, look at Asriel's Batman, uh, where it's like, he looks like a Transformer, and he's just got pouches upon pouches that they can't possibly do anything. Right, I've never even heard of Asriel's Batman. Well, Asriel, like, he was the character, um, and then after Batman in uh, Nightfall gets his back broken by Bane, he's the one who takes over as Batman for a while. And does such a terrible job at it that Bruce Wayne's like, oh my god, I have to will myself out of paralysis in order to stop this. He's got so many pouches. I really like that storyline. I don't remember who wrote it. I think it was Barry Morrison. Um, where Batman uh, essentially loses his mind. And mm-hmm. he has like this, um, almost like a, <laughs> like a safety net in his mind where he reverts to um pure batman yeah what is it it's not well, it's not it's, pure batman but it's literally batman with no human in him it's like yeah but it's like specifically it's like this character it's like uh, oh man it, the batman kind of, of like, Zeranar is who you're talking yeah, about what is yeah. Zeranar? yeah 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 the kazoo of batman like yeah, yeah he's yeah. like turns into this dude I thought that was hilarious. Like, oh, it's so good. What a like, what a creative like storyline to come up with. Like, that's so awesome. He's a little silly too. Like, yeah. He talks to himself and like, just yeah. Like, it was Grant Morrison like during the R.I.P. line where he goes back and um, he's having to fight Doomsday and stuff, and he's kind of battling himself in his own mind, mm-hmm. and he's doing so as the Batman of Zeranar, and like Batmite shows up and he's talking to him. And he's like, I'm from the third dimension, Batman. Uh, Batman is, of course, or Batmite is, of course, a, you know, character for, for fucking ever. Mm-hmm. But he did a really interesting thing with a character where he was like, um, yeah, no, what do you think the third dimension is? Or the fourth dimension, fifth dimension, whatever the fuck. We live in the third dimension. We have three dimensions in our world. Mm-hmm. Um, so the fourth dimension, maybe? Fifth? I don't know. I don't know what I'm talking about. But he's like, it's imagination, Batman. And then I was like, oh, okay. Uh, that makes sense. He just made Batmite pretty okay. It's a ridiculous character, but he made it work. Made him kind of plausible. So now the other thing in in the Batman universe right now is I, I I went off on a rant about it on Off Time Jive like months ago when they announced it. Is uh, 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 We Are Robin is the name of the story, um, and it's by uh, I don't like that. <laughs> I think oh, that's really? what most people say when they hear the title. <laughs> it's, uh... I, I believe it's... It's not Azarello. It's, uh... The other guy that worked with him on Joker. But, anyway. It's Robin now. I mean, we still have Robin. I guess there's a there's a line called Damien... Or it's Robin, son of Batman. Where Damien has come back and he's doing whatever the fuck Damien does by himself. Um, and... So he's still technically the incumbent Robin. But since Batman is dead right now and the city is still, you know, and shit, gone to shit, uh, a bunch of, of, of street kids have taken up the mantle of, of Robin. Oh. <laughs> and so the, the name of the story is We Are Robin. And they're just kids that got together and they're like, we're going to fight crime. And I guess they've got this shadowy figure who, who's kind of controlling them. And I... In the first issue that I read, it it looked like they were making it out like, okay, it's Bruce Wayne is controlling him. He's still alive and pulling the strings here. Um, 
But in the second issue, it was the same character at the very end. You see him in the epilogue of the book, where he's talking about how he knows that uh, the city would eventually, it would come to this, people would start fighting crime on their own. And it's like, it sounded like Bruce Wayne, just the, the voice of the character sounded like that, the writing voice, not his literal voice. But in the second issue, same character, and it sounds completely different. And I'm like, oh, this is not, clearly not Bruce Wayne. So I don't know who the fuck it is. But uh, yeah, so now Robin is, a, he's a gang of multi-ethnic street youths. Mm -hmm. As opposed to being one person, and now this is where I, they start to lose me, on on the whole DC YOU. Is they're just kind of expressing that they don't know how the character works or what makes Robin Robin. So it it seems like they're pandering um, to different audiences. They're like, oh well, see like. We have a black kid that's Robin, and we have an Asian girl that's Robin, and we have all of these. Everybody gets to be Robin now. And I'm like, I, I'm fine with Robin being whatever ethnicity or gender or, you know, anything in between that they want to make him. But the thing that makes Robin work as a character is he's Batman's sidekick. Um, he, he, he's a young person uh, studying under Batman to become his own vigilante in the future. And that's what Robin is. Robin's not a gang of children that have a lot of moxie. Um, that's bullshit. <laughs> I'm like, that's not, you can't, ba okay, Batman is not a robot bunny rabbit, and Robin is not a gang of children. That's, it's stupid. Those aren't people. That's mm -hmm. fucking retarded. But what if they team up? What if he has an army of Robins? Yeah, I'm what gonna if? Stop, I'm going to stop reading DC Comics permanently. <laughs> bunny rabbit, Batman, and gang of kids team up. But now it's just like I, I, I appreciate the the diversity angle of it. Um, the the lead character I, I can't think of his name, but um, it's black kid that turned up in, in the Year Zero story. Um, his parents go missing, and he's trying to fight uh, to find them. He's like trying to get. He's currently in like the foster care system. And so he's sneaking out at night to go find his parents who got recruited into, like, the Joker zombie army, I guess. Um, but he himself, I'm like, awesome. He's great. He would be a great Robin. And I wish that they just made him Robin. And then, you know, you, you would be able to satisfy the whole diversity angle. Is You'd have a young black Robin. Why the fuck not? Robin's ethnicity does not matter. Um, his gender does not matter. The only thing that matters is he's fucking Batman's sidekick. <laughs> right. I, I think it's silly. I think the whole idea of um, trying to gain a wider audience is kind of silly in a way. I think what you should do instead is just, um, just work into your characters, you know what I mean? So, because what I always liked um, in comic books and movies, it's, um, I, I, like, I like getting to know the character. I like very intimate storylines where, you know, the, you get to learn about the character's life and how they're growing. And I, I would like to see comic books more focused around that than, um, you know, just trying to appease everybody, you know? Yeah. Well, yeah, once you start getting into the pandering territory, then you completely fucking lose me. Now, I don't mm -hmm. mind them trying to court new readers. Mm -hmm. um, that's fine. 
But you can't do that at the expense of your old readers, the people right. that have been reading Batman for 75 fucking years. Um, you know, you add new characters or, you know, mix up the, the characters themselves, but you still have to follow the archetypes. It's like, well, that's what I'm saying with this whole thing. Like, if they're, you know, trying to reach out to a, a broader audience by saying, like, look, you know, comic books has... For 75 years, this Batman character has been written by old white men for young white men. Mm. And we want to open that up. That's great. But there are things that make Batman Batman. He's a billionaire. His parents get killed. He uses his resources to fight for good. Um, he's like he's driven to the point of near insanity to to want to accomplish his goal of eradicating crime in his city, even though it can never happen. Those are the rules. Anything else beyond that, you could change. You want to mm-hmm. do a reboot and make Batman a, a black guy? Great, cool, fine. But he has to be all of those things as well. You can't just be like, okay, no, now we're gonna get rid of Batman and he's going to be. Um, he, he's a bunch of, uh, he's a bunch of gerbils that stack on top of each other and then turn into a bat. And that's what Batman is now. I'm like, that's, no, that's not fucking Batman. Don't call it that. They uh, also want to make a, a new character, make a new character. Totally, was that the scion? I don't know. <laughs> Probably the scion. Oh yeah, I think it was the scion, those gerbil commercials. Yeah. Yeah, those are silly. Right. Yeah. Uh, no, you make a valid point. You make a valid point and, uh, yeah. Tyler had to vent (laughs) (laughs) well I remember him bringing this up when they first announced that they were going to do it Uh, he was really upset about uh, them trying to appeal to everybody with their whole when this first started like okay they did the what they did the Batwoman series right like the the young woman who becomes Batwoman and she's like a lesbian Mm -hmm. um then they I don't know they've just been doing this like kind of slowly but now they're really it seems like they're really ramping it up yeah yeah well like the Batwoman thing I, I'm all for um that was they, an awesome series yeah. too like the art well, was well the first like oh the God. first ten issues of it was awesome and then they changed the creative yeah. team and kind of sharply went downhill yeah um but that's like the kind of that's how I would like to see them approach that sort of thing um, Batwoman was a character that existed before. Uh, she's been a couple of different people. Um, it's uh, Kathy Kane is the first one, and then Kate Kane is the second one, I believe. So this was like a, a variation on the Kate Kane character that they started back in 2011 with uh, the first relaunch, and they decided to make her a lesbian. <laughs> and I'm, I'm like, awesome, great. Because they didn't change the archetypes of what makes Batwoman Batwoman. She's still exactly who she is. She's just now, you know, uh, her orientation is different. And her orientation doesn't fucking matter. It doesn't change the core of the story. Right, right, Um, right. And that's what I'm saying. It's like, if they were to do a complete reboot, um, and they were saying, we're going to start from a completely different place, and um, now it's still going to be Bruce Wayne, he's still going to be a billionaire, uh, his parents get killed, but now he's, you know, he, he, he's something... He's transgender. Like I, yeah, now he's transgender. Yeah. Um, as long as he's, like, male transgender, because it wouldn't make sense to call him Batman if he's, like, 
male to female transgender. Right, right, right. And he's like a woman, but now he's saying still Batman. I'm like, <laughs> I'm fine with that. As long as he's still a billionaire, his parents get killed, he still fights for all the same reasons, that's fine. You want to explore something different with a character? Cool. Go right ahead. But if you're going to change it fundamentally from the ground up and say, like, okay, now Batman is um, Commissioner Gordon. Now Batman is a robot. Now Batman is something. Then that's no longer Batman. Mm-hmm. Have you been, um, have you, have you, like, been hearing, I mean, I'm sure tons of people are pissed, but I wonder if DC's uh, losing money on this. Because that's what I, I thought. I actually don't know what the sales figures look like. Usually, because it's, it's still very recent. Like, it started in June. So they've only had like two rounds of uh, issues come out so far. Uh, usually, there's like a, there'll be a big spike in public interest just because they're like, oh look, they're doing something new, and then it'll um, taper off as time goes by. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what the sales figures are right now, but uh, I don't know. A lot of people have been complaining about Batman. Uh, the first two issues of it, I'm like, it's an interesting story, and as long as they bring him back, which I know that they're going to do. Fine. You then there you're just doing a story arc where Commissioner Gordon gets thrust into the position where he's Batman. But like the We Are Robin thing, I'm like, if this all culminates like a miniseries, and I think it would be a very interesting miniseries, but if the new thing is now Robin is a bunch of people, that's that's dumb. Right, right. Huh. Yeah, yeah, I I agree. Like I said on all that shit, you know? I agree on all of that. I was um yeah, no. I'm now you got me upset about it, man. Now I'm really <laughs> See, upset. <laughs> I I would liken the way that I feel to this uh, or feel about this to the way that I feel about them. Uh, you know how James Bond? Okay, Daniel Craig's gonna be. This is his He's last gone. Bond film. Um, everybody, the the name that gets tossed around most uh, as for who people would like to see as the next Bond is Idris Elba. Um. And I think he would be a fucking fantastic choice. I think that he exudes every characteristic that James Bond should. Hmm. Fact is, it is a black man. Now, that in and of itself doesn't fucking matter. James right. Bond could be whatever color you want to make him. James Bond could be whatever orientation or whatever you want to make him. As long as he's still a secret agent, uh, works for MI6, uh, he's, he's suave, he's, he's dangerous, he's got, you know, all of the basic character elements are still there, then that's James Bond. Uh, and that's great. But if they do it and they're like, okay, the, it, the plot is going to revolve for some stupid reason about, hey, he used to be a white guy, now he's a black guy. I'm like, that, that's fucking pandering. That's, that's just stupid. Cast the guy because he's the best choice for the role. Right. Uh, without regard to his fucking ethnicity. And that's, you know, that is kind of what progress is in terms of the entertainment industry. If we're wanting to make it like a more diverse, more open, um, uh, uh, field then yeah you just keep making the movies that you've always made just open it up to everybody hmm. yeah I mean that that makes sense and I think actually changing the storyline kind of uh, I don't know nah, I, I shouldn't even say that but uh, what I was, it kind of ruins the uh, if you were to like let's say make James Bond black and you change the entire storyline mm-hmm. that in itself kind of like makes it Fucking, you, you get what I'm saying? I can't even really explain what I'm trying to say, so I like, should stop talking. It, 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 almost sounds, it, it almost sounds crude to say it, but like this is what I'm... Just as a really extreme example. Now, if they were to take 
um, Idris Elba, make him James Bond, and then make James Bond into a Shaft type movie, like a black exploitation right, right. film. Like, That's be, what I mean. It's yeah, like yeah, that yeah, would yeah. be so fucking stupid. That would be stupid, and that would defeat its own purpose, and right. you know, end up just you know making yeah. Or if they make like the entire plot revolving on. Uh, revolving around the fact that he's a black secret agent and mm-hmm. everything that yeah, and everyone's like, "Oh, I can't believe you're black." Yeah, <laughs> you know? right, right. <laughs> it's like, well, then you're not getting the point. That's not actually progress. That's fucking. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know, man. Cast him because he's the best guy for the job, and yeah. then just let him be James Bond. I feel you. I feel you. So I got into magic, Tyler. Did you? Like Magic the Gathering or like That's <laughs> exactly what Gion said. No, no, I'm not I'm not gonna fucking play Magic the Gathering. It takes too much that's like way too much effort, right? Like I don't know, yeah. this this whole uh simple ritual that you told me, which is apparently the easiest way into magic, sounds like more effort than building a magic deck. Nah, I'm just like uh, he was telling me how to do it, I'm like that's a lot to do, just to, what? I thought this was the simplest thing. It is. It is. I mean, it's not really, though. You it's gotta, not. I don't have to, I don't tell have to summon anything. Explain, him, explain it to him. Okay, so um, the way this started was I, I listened to those Grant Morrison uh, um, interviews, and I was like, okay, I mean, this guy seems like he's doing pretty well for himself. I'll listen to a lecture um, on magic with him in it, you know? Uh-huh. So he explains um, the one of the most simple forms of magic. It's chaos magic, and it's the sigil. Now I know you deal with the, or you you know a little bit about magic. Do you know what the sigil is? Uh, the sigil of chaos magic, or like what are you talking about? Yeah. Okay, I've so never heard sigils. of anything just called the sigil. Uh, well, sigils. I'm meaning just sigils in general. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. Yeah. So you get how they work, right? Yeah. Yeah. So magically. Magically, yeah, yeah, with magic and stuff, and maybe, um, maybe then you could, uh, you can see if um, I was doing them right. But basically, the way it works is, is you write a sentence in the present tense. Mm-hmm. You take out all of the vowels and repeating letters, right? right? And then you use those letters that you have left over to make a um, to make a symbol. And then you take that that major symbol and you break it down into its smallest form. You know, mm-hmm. and then right. there you go. There's your sigil. You make about five of these, and you get rid of um, you get rid of the sentences. You make five. I put them on flashcards. You mix them up. You throw. You put them somewhere. You're not going to look at them for about a week or two until you forget about what the sigils mean. Right. And then once you do that, here's something that's interesting. Some people said just to um, just to visualize it often to visualize that symbol often. But here's something that Grant Morrison said to do is to visualize that symbol right at the point of, like, pure ecstasy. Um, but he said um, orgasm is um, right. the best way to do it because it creates a crack in your subconscious which allows it to flow in. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, I mean, that's a pretty common strain in, in a lot of different theories of magic. Like, it pops up in Thelema and, like, Aleister Crowley's system a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and it would ma- it makes sense because it's like that it's such a heightened state of emotion, and if magic is really just using your will to force uh, physical change in the universe, um, then yeah, you're using that emotion. It makes perfect sense. 
in you know, a way that a lot of people are going to argue that doesn't make any any fucking sense at all. Right, right, right. Yeah, no, yeah, I have heard of this, like the, the sigil craft as a, a method of manifestation. Um, you basically, yeah, you, you write down what you want, you take down everything else, and then, yeah, root it down into a... Um, I don't forget, yeah, you said it was chaos magic, right? Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, like the Lesser Key of Solomon says something about that. Uh, it gets in a little bit into Enochian magic. Um, I believe, like, the book, it was, like, something with to do with Raziel, the angel of Raziel. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway. Yeah, yeah. So, basically, I, I've tried five, and I haven't really um, put them to the test yet, but um, we'll see how, we'll see what happens, you know? And I, I made all the manifestations, like... See, and the reason why I believed I believed it, it's because I do believe in the idea of um, of manifesting things through just the belief of them, you know? Because right, that's right. basically what everything is here, you know. If you get a, if you if you believe something and you get a group of people to believe that, then that charges the belief more. And then if you continue to do this throughout the years, you you know, you get things happening like the Christian uh, religion, you know, like Jesus Christ, yeah, exactly. you know, stuff like that, stuff that's very real. So yeah. That's like um, super interesting to think about, too. Like that yeah. idea just as a concept um, yeah. has been explored. And not only like Gnosticism, I believe, is uh, something like that. Not not quite exactly that, but there there's a little bit of that in it. And like the Gnostics, the early Gnostics believed that... Uh, Lucifer and uh, Yahweh were two different competing entities, but where the term agnostic comes from, um, today it means you haven't decided what you believe, or you don't really believe in anything, you don't know that you know anything. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Gnostics in the original order were like, they believed in the Christian God, and they believed in Lucifer, but they were not coming down on either side. They were like, well, I mean, look at the fucking Old Testament. Jehovah or Yahweh, however you decide to pronounce it, has done some pretty heinous shit, and Lucifer has done some pretty heinous shit as well. Um, not coming down on either side of the argument, and it's all about who is in charge is basically decided by who has the most believers. Right, right. That's where and they draw that power from. See, so, you know, I figured that the sigil magic, and I want to get back into that conversation about um, believers and all that stuff in a second, because I have something um, that I've been thinking about for a while. But so I felt like what what the sigil magic basically is, is it's um, affirmation. It's like having daily affirmations, the same way that you might write down in a journal, here are some things that I want to accomplish this week. And you basically look at those things in the journal every week, and cross them off as they go along. Or maybe your main thing, you wake up every morning and you spend 10 minutes meditating and focusing on the day being positive. And then because of that, it, 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 you know, it comes to fruition. So I would imagine that a sigil is basically like, um, like doing it, but, but like supercharging it and really putting it deep into your subconscious where you're yes. not even conscious that it's happening. But well, yeah, you just hit the steps. nail on the head right there. Yeah. Like, I think what, I mean, you could look at it from an esoteric sense, which, I mean, you can't prove or disprove. So the way I like to think about it is just in practical terms, um, it is, it, it's, it's an affirmation that you're breaking down into its barest form and you're abstracting it. And that is something that's a lot easier for your subconscious to 
process. Like when people talk about the law of attraction um, and things of that nature, just positive thinking type things. Mm-hmm. If you're telling yourself like, okay, I can make a million dollars. I can make a million dollars. I can make a million dollars. There's always that part of your brain that doesn't believe that. And there's also right. the subconscious, the part of your brain that doesn't even understand that. And that's why y- you have to break it down into an abstract form. Kind of like trick yourself to actually believe it. So mm-hmm. instead of saying, I'm going to make a billion dollars, you have the symbol that literally means to no one else but you, I'm going to make a million dollars. And you see that in your mind's eye. And yeah, it, tr- it tricks the subconscious. There you go. So yeah, so that's why I felt like it was going to work. So I give it a shot and I'll see where it goes. And, um, you know, maybe I'll get real deep into magic and stuff. Um, I did look at some Aleister Crowley stuff, but I'm, I'm not 100% comfortable I'm not a huge fan of his. Um, I like a lot of what he had to say about, like, the idea of the Holy Guardian Angel um, being the extension of the higher self. Uh, But I'm not a big fan of him as a person. Mm. Uh, Right. And I've read a little bit of Crowley. I'm I'm not an expert in Thelema uh, in any sense. I did a play a couple of months back that was... uh, it, It was the right of... Saturn, or the rights of Alasis Ale- Saturn, which was one of his um, theatrical magic, ceremonial magic performances, and I kind of I played him. Mm. Uh, so that was interesting to delve in and like look at that, look at him as a character as an so actor. You, so like, you so like you did a, 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 a ceremony then on stage. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yes. What's uh, what was the purpose? I mean, obviously the purpose of it was for entertainment, but what is what happens after the ceremony? Well, the different rites have different um, goals. This one was for Saturn, the god Saturn, um, and it was basically just to harbor creativity. Cool. I did that. Um, yeah. But it, it was interesting. The people um, that put it together, super interesting. They're, like, they're very, very much into like ceremonial magic. Um, to an almost religious degree. So they were interesting people to talk to. Because, like, I, I don't, you know, disbelieve in any of that stuff. I'm super interested in all of that stuff. But I, I don't live my life around it. So it's, sometimes it's fun to talk to people who do. Right. Right. Well, me being, um, you know, and this was something that blew my mind um, when I started taking LSD, a lot of this stuff started to come out up. I realized how fucking Catholic I am. Without yeah. trying to be Catholic, I realized how deep-rooted uh, the Catholic teachings are. Because you know, while I was uh, while I was taking LSD, um, you know, a lot of times there were like these blocks, um, you know, like these these um, walls that would come up that would keep me from fully experiencing the trip because of fear of. Um, of of um, religious things, you know, fear of uh, the devil or fear of me just being not doing the right thing, you know, not living like a pure life, and then from there, a lot of um, a lot of uh, past regrets would come up, and then once once you get past all that and kind of like forgive yourself for all of that, and you know, kind of like you know deal with the the whole demonic feeling and aspect of things you shoot into like another dimension where things are are more malleable it's almost like nothing nothing really exists it's all illusions so you can kind of play around with 
Um, and that's with reality. Yeah, absolutely. And that that's my favorite part of it because usually um, when you're talking about magic and uh, those types of religions, they're I wouldn't call them religions. I would call them systems. They're not rigid. Like Christianity and Catholicism in particular is very rigid. There's a law, there's a right way to do things, and there's a wrong way to do things. And things like Wicca and things like um, other other various occult kind of leanings, everything is based on your personal reality. Right. Uh, and just trying to find like a higher level of consciousness through meditation and through ceremonial magic and stuff like that, just to change your perspective to open up your kind of mind's eye and view life differently. I think that's fantastic. I think that's uh, hugely beneficial to fucking anybody, man. Absolutely. You know, and that's one, you know, when I was experimenting with a lot of hallucinogens, I'm still a big fan of mushrooms. I think they're great. But, um, you know, I would actually, I've used the mushrooms to um, meditate. And it's interesting because the the interesting thing that happens is, is, um, you're going through these stages, you're meditating, and um, the first thing that happens is, like I said, there's this amazing rush of like fear and anxiety and a feeling that you're like you've done something wrong and that you've done tons of things wrong your entire life. Yeah. What happens after that? It's that shame. Is it, it's that Catholic guilt. Yeah. What happens after that though is once you start to forgive yourself for that, um, and this is just my experience, but I've also heard it from several other people. Um, these um, otherworldly beings will come and they'll they'll basically um, they'll basically um, reconstruct your DNA. So they're working on your DNA to take out all the impurities because to get to this level of consciousness that you need to be on to experience um, the world as it is where you where you are and to experience this higher world that exists within you. You know, all this stuff is going on within you. You know what I mean? Um, they have to first remove all of the negativity. Yeah. So they pull all the negativity out of your body while that's happening. You're shooting upward um, until you get to this place. And it's this, like, spot, this place that I found while I was meditating. And it's like this, um, for me, it's, it was this huge grassy knoll. And um, the weather was just right. And I was sitting on a rock. And I no longer had a body, you know? Right. I didn't need a body. But there were these um, these um, indigenous uh, people playing, like, different games, you know? Like, playing, like, a lot of them were tossing around balls or, like, just hanging out in the sunshine and stuff. And um, these trees were gigantic. And um, I was there for, I, I, I would say, because I meditated for about three hours, I was there for maybe 45 minutes. And then um, I started to wake myself up out of that state. And as I did, like, I started to feel like this long, like this longing, you know? Like, I basically, I was like, geez, like, oh, man, uh, you know? Like, I I had to come back here, you know? Uh Uh-huh. But um, I guess really all I was, yeah, what was that? I said, it's fucking fascinating. Yeah. Just this, that whole story. I was not expecting this podcast to go in that direction so but i'm glad it did so like this whole thing is is that like here is you know this um this heaven this heavenly spot this place that you can exist in inside of you you know right and um 
So I think I, that that's I I haven't gotten to that point where I've created like my well actually I have I've created my own personal religion based around that experience and other experiences that I've had, you know, mm-hmm. where I, you know. So there you go. And that's a, that's. I wouldn't even awesome. call it a religion. That's just the way that I that it is for me. But yeah. every major religion has that within it. You know what I mean? Like that seems to be the overall message. Mm-hmm. Um, is is kind of finding inner peace. Now that message has been co-opted in a lot of, especially the Abrahamic religions. But uh, Jesus said, I, I I don't remember the exact quote. Like heaven can exist within uh, this something the size of a pin. Um, mm-hmm. The kingdom of heaven is no bigger than a pebble or something like that. And what he and you know Buddha obviously talking about Nirvana, uh, enlightenment. All of it was coming from within. It's all of them have this common thread of if you want peace, you can't find it externally. You have to look within yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then nothing can hurt you. But I think that that's very interesting um, that you had that experience. Uh, it's it, it it is a common, you know, theme in all the world's religions, basically. Uh, and that's I, I mentioned the concept of the holy guardian angel in Thelema, uh, Crowley's thing. And basically, what that is is it, it's taking the concept of like the spirit guide or like the guardian angel in Christianity, um, and it's saying that this is really it's just an extension of yourself. It's mm-hmm. uh, your higher self. Um, it's your more pure self. And if you get to these states, you could communicate with that kind of entity um, for you know various reasons, whatever you would want to do that. Uh, find your life's purpose, find your... And, and all of that, it's like you have... There, there is the arcane um, aspect of it where it gets magical and people will say, well, okay, that's bullshit. But even beyond that, it's still useful. Uh... In, in a practical sense, because then you're just talking to your fucking subconscious. You're going inside and you're finding peace. Uh, and that's why it's just, to me, it, it's wonderful to study that kind of stuff. Because even if you're wrong, you're still right. You're still right, exactly. Yeah. So, we'll see how the sigils go. Right. But, um, you did you did say something very interesting about belief. And, um, I have this theory that what um, as far as religion goes and we could even bring it further maybe even the way we view the world is all an agreed illusion or an agreed hallucination mm-hmm. you know we've all yeah. agreed to to believe that this is the way it is because the majority of the people believe that this is the way it is you sure. know so for instance if um, you know if this if I if I said that the sky was purple you know and I got let's say 75% by some somehow I was able to convince 75% of the entire world that the sky was purple then the sky would be purple mm-hmm. and eventually everybody would believe that the sky is purple right. either the name of purple and blue would change or maybe we'd start perceiving the sky as purple so it's interesting that you bring up that example um, because it, it does play to the idea that uh, you know existence uh, the entire universe it's all experiential it's all personal it's my reality i we can agree that our realities are the same we could agree that uh everything is common but i don't know what like is my purple your purple Mm -hmm. i don't know that um 
the ancient Greeks, they didn't have a word for blue. And yeah, yeah, I actually heard about that study. Continue. <laughs> right. Uh, so if you go back and like look into the uh, Homeric texts, like the Odyssey and the Iliad, um, and all of like you know ancient Greek mythology kind of stuff, they'll describe the color of the sea as being the color of wine, or they'll describe the sky as being uh, you know they had other adjectives for it. But um, they didn't have a word for blue, and thus basically they saw the world differently. You you could assume. Um, the other thing, oh man, I'm blanking on what, what was I going to say? I completely lost my voice. Uh, yeah, no, there was a thought experiment um, done. We talked about it in the philosophy class that I had. Uh, mm-hmm. Basically, the idea is you have this uh, scientist who's kind of born in this room where she has screens and stuff uh, that she could view things, but she could only see in black and white, right? Mm-hmm. Her area of expertise is in color. She understands color. She knows everything there is to know about color. She knows it, uh, the way it affects your eyes. She knows exactly how to measure what color on the visible spectrum you would be seeing, but she's never actually seen color. Okay. She knows everything you know scientifically there is to know about the concept of color. Does she know what color is, having never experienced it? Hmm. And it's like kind of a question you can't really answer. Right. Because color is an experiential thing. You could know everything about it, but if you've never seen it, then like, what, do you really know what it is? Um, like you could say, okay, the leaves on the trees are green. They measure this way on this visible light spectrum. Um, the way the cones in your eyes are going to interact with that, it's going to create this sensation, and it's going to be the same sensation that you get when you look at grass or when you look at uh, other things that are green. But you don't really know what green is. You Mm-hmm. understand the idea of green and I don't know why we're talking about this this I've gotten into a hole and <laughs> I don't remember don't remember what we started talking about at all oh. yeah um, I think it was like sigils it went from comic books to sigils but um like it typically does yeah <laughs> I was wondering though that if um, if the majority of our population let's say here in America or even in the world um, just just believed that we didn't need to have um you know, a structure, a, a governmental structure, and we we were just really good to one another. Like we were just okay, yeah. Like if we were all just really good to each other, then would we need would we need it? Would, would we need money, for instance, or would you be able to kind of just live out your life and do what you want to do, and people are going to put you in the places that you need to be because of that? I don't feel like we could ever have that kind of society. I don't think we can. Where everyone's good to each other all the time because everyone has motivations and, like, ulterior motives, you know, like, Mm -hmm. and that is eventually going to turn to, like, I want more of this than this person. It's going to turn into greed, Mm -hmm. and they're going to ultimately do things that not everyone is going to agree with to reach their goals, you know? Well, it's yeah, kind of hard and, to imagine a, like a utopia like that, or, yeah. you know, which is sad because it would be it would be nice. But well, are you saying that something like that could not exist, or that we as a society, we as human beings, could never get to that point from where we I th- are now? I think we as a society could never get to that point. Yeah, without uh, some kind of extremely drastic change. Yeah, like a fucking great flood. No, I I, I would agree <laughs> with you on that. Um, 
Like, I feel like a utopian society, why couldn't it exist? But where we are, like, could we as, you know, uh, United, like, at this point. there? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, and the issue is, is that maybe, maybe it's just the years of bullshit, you know? Like, Mm -hmm. think about it. Like, imagine if everybody totally forgot everything that happened. Yeah. Like, everything that happened, except for, like, you know... Yeah, everything that happened, except they could still function as human beings and they still had crafts and stuff like that. But we literally forgot all of our history, forgot all of our family problems, all of our fights, everything, and started from square one with that idea in mind, you know, that if we're just good to one another, shit'll be cool, you know? Right. Yeah, it's kind of like a chicken or the egg scenario, though. When you when you start talking about like what is human nature? Is it learned or is it innate? And I think that it the answer falls somewhere in between. Um, to, to get to your point about money, like um, could we exist in a society without it? Economic theorists would say no, because um, even if we didn't have a concept of like paper currency or uh, you know, that abstraction where it's like, these coins mean this, and you give me this, and that equals that. Uh, that is an abstraction, but if that you took that away, we would still kind of come up with another system that would be somewhat akin to it. It would just right. be bartering. It would be like, well, I have... Right, all the, you always need a form of currency. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, I have, I have all the wood for burning, and you're cold, but you have meat, so we have to trade. And it kind of becomes an economic structure no matter what. But... Right. Uh, the idea of like if if we could start over um, or if you could take like a if you were to have a kid say and raise them to believe this one thing would that be their reality uh, I think that you could change a lot in, in, in society in the way that we view things a lot of that is malleable I wouldn't say all of it because a lot of our urges and a lot of our uh, instincts are innate they're mm-hmm. you know based on evolution like could we ever really have a society that without murder, um, say. And I don't know, because uh, the, that drive to kill or to defend or to, you know, whatever reason someone chooses to murder, there are you know, myriad reasons, uh, it comes from, you know, a, a drive that we have. There is an, an intrinsic kind of human violence um, and, like, a darkness to human natures that exists within everyone. And I think that as a survival instinct, that's why, you know, anger and aggression exists. And you could even measure that. Like, in people that commit violent crimes or people that commit, uh, you know, robbery, battery, all of that, they have... Uh, the, the structures in their brain is slightly different. They have less... Um, control. Yeah, less empathy, but they have, like, less control over impulses and stuff. Mm-hmm. But, like, I mean, if I don't know. They said there's a whole story about, uh, like, the, oh God, what was the thing before Homo sapien? What was the other, like, the fucking Neanderthal? There you go. Like, what happened to the Neanderthal? They postulate, or they guess that uh, it was probably a more peaceful creature. And then humans kind of wiped them out because they were more mm. territorial and there was that drive. Um, yeah, had well, a stronger that. drive. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So if we all woke up tomorrow and the apes had taken over, 
Could we <laughs> unite James together? Yeah. <laughs> I actually like those movies. I don't. I don't mind seeing those. They're all right. They're, They're kind of like uh, the last one. I mean, like the story's always kind of like meh. <laughs> you know, you're just there for the monkeys. Yeah. <laughs> and, but like, like the story's never like a, you know really good. It's not because it's not a new concept. It's not like when Dawn of the Planet of the Apes first came out. You know, it's not like oh my god, mm-hmm. the monkeys took over and we are the slaves. Like, yeah, you know, like, we see it now. We've seen everything, so we're just not like too uh, taken aback by it. We're not too like into the movies. Like they still do good. I'm sure at the box office. I, I barely remembered that last one, but I did watch it in yeah. theaters, you know? It was, uh, what I do remember is that one monkey who was like, yeah. Oh, the asshole monkey? Yeah, he was like, fuck you, King man. asshole? Yeah, yeah, yeah That yeah. dude was a jerk. Yeah, and then he, like, he, You remember when he threw monkey? the, he threw the nice monkey off the, <laughs> <laughs> off the, uh, balcony? Like, yeah. when they're raiding the city? He just fucking chucks that dude mm-hmm. out. You're like, whoa, man, you just crossed another line. But you know what? He had a reason for being an asshole. He was abused by humans all right yeah that's true in the first movie he was heavily abused by humans yeah especially uh draco malfoy mm-hmm. um which you know kind with of with a horrible bad. american accent by the way yeah really bad really bad accent i, yeah, I didn't see that I, most recent yeah. one you should the one watch with it gary it's not bad yeah. not, gary oldman yells a lot so if you like him yelling <laughs> you'll like this gary movie oldman yelling yeah. yeah 10 out of 10 have you seen that? I'm sure you've seen it. That uh, is it, GIF, GIF image of um, Gary Oldman. Uh, get everyone from Leon the Professional. No, there's like everyone. There's like everyone. <laughs> he's just like stretching it out. Like oh, he can see the veins like <laughs> popping in his head. He's just, I don't know how he yelled that long. It's crazy. He's a very gifted screamer. He is. As well as actor, he's pretty awesome. Speaking of that, so can you talk to us about any of these voice uh, voiceover um, gigs that you may or may not have? Some of these auditions that you got? Anything I mean, we might not see? All of them. I well, I haven't booked anything in a while. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, like the auditions that I've been getting, I like a lot of them are for like fast food things. One that didn't go through that I could talk about now because the campaign is out was like Taco Bell. Mm-hmm. Have you seen like the internet ads where they're like bacon you can't eat is bacon you don't need? Um, nah, no, I don't fucking, I don't, I don't pay attention. Why would you not be able to eat the bacon? Well, it, it was like, I think the idea was like they come out with like a, a ridiculous product. Like the last one was the bacon watch. I would eat any form of bacon. I don't uh, care what. But the thing form is, I don't think in. it was real bacon. I don't know. Man. Yeah. Wow, one was bacon cologne. Mm-hmm. Would you eat bacon cologne? Uh, yeah, sure. It's still bacon. Bacon well, scented. Bacon scented. Oh, but it's not actually okay. Bacon. Okay, well, now it's uh, everything's off the table now. <laughs> <laughs> See, so you don't need it. But what you do it's need true. is Taco Bell's bacon club chalupa or whatever they're peddling, which is probably delicious, but I don't have a Taco Bell anywhere near me. There's what? There's not. Uh, go to go to fifty fifty fourth and second. There's a Taco Bell there. I'm sorry, fifty third and second. Yeah, no, that's that's 
like way across town. I'm not gonna do that. Yeah, it's really it's far from here. I could get like good tacos. I could get good <clears throat> food anywhere. So I'm not gonna like. I'm not gonna you know what's here. really weird is uh, being back here and like measuring distance as if I was in like New York yeah. compared to here is really crazy because like right, I rode my bike all around that city. Like when I was delivering, when like when I just riding around, mm-hmm. and it seems huge. It, it seems fucking enormous, and like it takes forever to get anywhere. Like riding from my apartment on Fifty Fourth and First to like pretty much around where Tyler is, which would be close to. Uh, well, actually, you're further than that than um, that park I used to go to. You're you're closer to that like big, like giant nature forest park, like. Central it's Park. Fucking, no, 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 no. I mean, like, no. I mean, on the west end, like, it's near the. River. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The, you know what I'm talking about? Park, right. Yeah, yeah, I'm right up by. I'm like, almost by Columbia. I'm on 109th. I'm at the very top of Central Park. Yeah, like that. Like that bike ride is isn't technically very far, but for to do it is like a 45 minute bike ride, 30 minutes, sometimes 30 if you're like going a good speed. You don't get stopped or whatever. It's like, and it feels like forever mm-hmm. because it's just the city is so dense and it's fucking, but yeah. it's actually not far at all. Like no, I used to, it's not. but you're measuring used, stuff like by car travel down there. Yeah. Um, yeah. So like the thing is, it's like <clears throat> if you were to go, like I would consider the distance from my house to like to the distance to, um, say the Boynton Beach Mall. Mm-hmm. Actually, we'll go a little bit further. We'll say like from where Gion lives to like the the Regal 18 in in um, Royal Palm. Like okay, that, so pretty far. Me, yeah, it's 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 kind of far, but I would consider that close enough to drive. That is like ten times the size <laughs> of like all of Manhattan. Yeah, like, that's to like drive a from huge that point to that, that would be like from driving to the financial district to driving to the top of the Bronx. Like it's crazy, mm-hmm. but like I don't think in terms of that here in the city i'm like that's uh yeah no that would be insane it's like uh, I, I think of like the subway trip from here to michael's which is on 34th so from like 109th to 34th i'm like that's a good distance that's literally like two miles it just seems like so much more there it's yeah, it's, it it's crazy yeah uh i remember i had when i was on a delivery job i had to go to um the I guess it what is it the business district? No, it's not the business district. It's like okay, where the where they do the where they used to do like the stocks and stuff. What is that? In what is that area? Yeah, like the financial all the way there's, you know downtown. Still two stocks there. Well, no, I mean like okay, you know, my idea is like the late you know early nineties idea. Never mind. Anyway. <laughs> uh, <laughs> When they're all yelling. Yeah, just like I have, I just I think in terms of movies, it doesn't make sense. Uh, But yeah, like I had to go all the way down there to this dude's apartment um, and deliver him like fucking I don't even remember. It was like near where Go Go Curry is, and then I had to go back there. I had to go there twice in one. Wait, the Go Go that's like by the New Yorker, the one on yeah thirty eight. Yeah, the one. Yeah, like by where you used to live. I had to go from there to, like, fucking, yeah, over by where the bull is or whatever. Oh, yeah. And ride my bike, like, up and down that, which is kind of a straight line, sort of, except when you get into Soho, you have to do these weird turns and stuff. 
Um, yeah, once but you get that, downtown, everything just falls yeah, to shit. Cause it turns into, like, a weird, weird... Well, it's, like, fucking, old New York. I mean, like, everything above, uh, like, the village is just a big grid. Like, it's super simple to navigate. But down there, it's, like, the, the streets get super narrow, and they, like, wind everywhere and twist and turn. It's crazy. Yeah. I mean, really cool area to, like, just explore yeah. in. Oh, sure. If you want to get away from, like, uh, you know, the busyness of the city. But it's a bitch to navigate. Oh, yeah. You don't know where you're going. Crazy. We should buy property in Detroit. Um, I I was just going to (laughs) say, oh, God. You know what? That would be really cheap because no one wants to live there right now. Because it's fucking Detroit. Right now, you can get a uh, a five oh bedroom house in uh, Detroit. <laughs> in the slums. No, 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 of no, no, Detroit. no. This is a really nice looking house uh-huh. for uh, forty thousand dollars, five bedroom. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So you wow. can get like a, a piece of shit for like a couple thousand. Mm-hmm. You know, dude. Yeah. So I think that we should all. But like, what in terms of jobs? Like in terms of employment? You know, you gotta yeah, think about yeah, that. Yeah, think about. No one's like there. Where the I fuck mean, if we're gonna, gonna do something like that, like you could get cheap real estate someplace real safe. Like if you go to just like the middle of the country where there's nobody. Mm-hmm. Like get a thirty thousand dollar house and it's like a fucking mansion. Like I think about the uh, amount of money uh, that I'm paying to live here. Uh, and the size that the apartment is like if I was paying and granted we have three people so like times that by three the amount that we're paying in rent we could have like a fucking mansion in uh, like Montana or someplace where there's nobody <laughs> cows cow cows, world yeah man. just uh, cow I property a, I have a good friend who uh, just moved back to Arkansas and um, you know she works in human services just like me she has a master's degree, and when she was here, she was only getting paid like a dollar more than a me. A master's degree in what? In psychology. Oh, yeah. Sure. To to man, you know, she was my manager at the group home and stuff, and it was funny because, like, after a month of knowing her and stuff, she uh, she is just like, so uh, you sell weed, right? And I'm like, yeah, yeah <laughs> absolutely, yeah. Let's let's do this, you know. But um, and she just moved back to Arkansas, and she's looking to get you know get a house on her own and I think the um, I think it's a two bedroom or no I think it's a three bedroom and I forget how much money it was but it was shockingly less like than what what we pay down here I don't even know what the mortgage is but oh yeah Florida ain't cheap I mean yeah wait where was she? Arkansas Arkansas yeah it's, it's gonna be yeah Florida I mean it's not it, it's not New York and it's not LA, but it is not cheap real estate at all, especially South Florida. Yeah. Yeah. The only job market out there in Arkansas, she said, was um, like um, that's where Walmart's headquarters are. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people work there. But she was like, yeah, move out to Arkansas. Live with me. It'll be funny. So it'll be good for a little while. It'll be fun. It'll yeah. be a good time for a yeah. little while. I think if you, if you can. If you have good, you know, friends that'll let you stay or, you know, for a while, like, that would be the most interesting way to live is just, like, go place to place, mm-hmm. you know, experience it for a few months, keep going. Mm-hmm. A drifter. Yeah, a drifter, sure. You know? Gypsy. Yeah, yeah, gypsy. I wanted to do that. I wanted to, uh, I wanted to buy an old camper or just, like, a camper that I could afford, you mm-hmm. know? 
So like, uh, you want to become just... Heisenberg? <laughs> no, not really. I'm the one who knocks. <laughs> I have no idea where that reference is from. Did you? Uh, it's it's Brian Cranston as um, uh, Walter White in Breaking Bad. Yeah. Oh yeah, you know it's funny. <laughs> I stayed away from all of that shit. Yeah, dude, you should watch it. I think you would uh, drop uh, Freaks and Geeks pretty fast if you started watching Breaking Bad. I already finished Freaks and Geeks. Oh, nice, nice. Well, yeah, it had, like, what, a season and a half or something? That was a really underwhelming ending. Yeah, it was. So, so it's just, it was kind of sad because you knew it was the last one, but it was also like, yeah, this is... Did they well, give it like a proper end, or because I know it was canceled? It was all right. They wrapped up basically. They wrapped up the first season with the with the whole well the idea that they were going to make more. Mm-hmm. So that's why I think they didn't give it like all it's got. But no, I stayed away from um, all that stuff. Breaking Bad, Game of Thrones. I got into um, I got into um, True Detective. Yeah. Oh, True Detective was a great yeah. first season. That was fantastic. Yeah. I don't know the about second the second season. I hear. Not so I much. Have, yeah. yeah, I haven't heard anything about it, which is kind of why I haven't. No, I, I've, it I've heard nothing but like negative shit from the second season. Oh man, that's so sad. It was I such it was a really prom, like a great follow. first season. Yeah, fantastic. Oh man, yeah, dude, that was that hard. whole McConaughey's monologue oh. about just like the circle and like how it's everything's destined to like repeat and mm-hmm. stuff. I was like, what the... I feel like I'm listening to a wizard, Mm -hmm. like, tell me things about the world. I was just like... It was just, like, stunning. You're just, like, sitting there like, oh, fuck, this guy could just talk forever. Whoever's writing this shit is a genius. Yeah, yeah, no, it was was that good, you know? Um, I I got really into McConaughey for a while. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, just because of, like, the whole McConaissance. Those Lincoln commercials. I love those Lincoln commercials. (laughs) I think they're... Did you watch... (laughs) Did you watch Mud? Oh yeah, mud. Mud. <laughs> mud. I like how it's just like that brings up a whole totally different response of McConaughey. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, but did you see mud? mud. <laughs> Yo, mud was awesome. It was. It was like a quiet victory. It was like a. It was a good movie, but it wasn't anything like crazy, like True Detective or. Yeah. But or it's Sweet just Home like, Alabama. It's just more of what you want, it, which is McConaughey. McConaughey talking. <laughs> you just want more McConaughey. Oh, so, yeah. My favorite part is like the beginning of Mud, where where or where you know this kid meets Mud, and he's just like how like, they said his name. Like it's Mud. It's Mud. Mud. Well, what's great is he's like a mystical character. You know, he's like this legend in his own head. Mm-hmm. You know, he is this legend. You know, and uh, just like you know, I think it was. Um, He's sitting there and he has like a little a little toy. Uh, he had like a little toy um, fishing. Yeah, and he made himself a fishing rod. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it was like literally like a little Barbie doll. Fishing oh, okay. Rod. And he was just like out there and stuff. And um, you know, the kids like uh, the kids like you got crosses on your boots. And he's like. He's like, uh, I like that. I like that. <laughs> Whoever wrote that about his character, I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, I like the backstory though. He was just like, Engine gave me these once. <laughs> And I forget what he said. He's like, they're supposed to be good luck or something like that. Uh-huh. I think there's. He's like said they're supposed to like keep it so evil oh, doesn't like follow him spirits. in his footsteps or keep, something like they that. They keep evil spirits away from me. Yeah. And then he was just like, I thought he was an engine. He was actually a Mexican. <laughs> <laughs> and throughout the whole movie, he just says rad shit like. That, I wish I could know? just meet like a real uh, Southern person like McConaughey in that mm-hmm. movie. Cause that would be awesome. I work with a older dude, um, 
he's like a he's straight up redneck he says the most offensive shit all the time like i'm just like dude this is why like he's so abrasive in his tone and like the way he talks to people right. even like the boss and stuff um he's just like it's like dude this is why people don't like you man mm-hmm. like he's he's like you know he believes in god he's like religious and stuff and that's cool but i'm just like I don't I can't like the guy like I can kind of but then like I'm like nope you did it again I can't I can't <laughs> you like you again. again sorry it's just like he said some shit like uh like uh our, the dude who's temporarily our boss right now he's he played his music one day on like the bluetooth speaker and we'd never really heard it and he played a lot of scorpion he's a big scorpion okay, fan okay um, not mad at which is that's fine, whatever. Yeah. You know, not the worst band I like. You know. Yeah. Um, but then today he played like some Michael Jackson, and immediately Steve, which is this is redneck dude, had something to say about it. He was like, "Oh no," and he says in a real deep like uh, redneck. I guess re- I shouldn't say redneck accent because that's just generalizing southern accent. Um, and he's just yeah, like, redneck, okay. uh oh, watch out! We got a uh, boss likes Michael Jackson, bosses bosses by or something like that. Like, oh, watch yourself! And I was like, Jesus Christ, dude! Like, the oh boss is by? Yeah, he's like, he's like, he's like, <laughs> said some shit like that. Well, I, I mean, like, Michael Jackson, what, as we all know, his music stands as an anthem for bisexuality. That's common knowledge. It was so knowledge. ignorant. It was so <laughs> fucking ignorant, dude. I was just like. Yeah. Man, like, I kind of had not higher hopes, but just more belief in this guy than that. Like, for him to say something like that, I was like, Jesus, dude. Because for someone to say that, that means, like, you know, because Michael Jackson, he was the king of pop. Yeah, who doesn't like Michael Jackson? Jackson. That just kind of gives you, I think just, like, that anecdote kind of gives you an idea of what this guy is like. You know, just, Mm -hmm. like, his mindset. Yeah, for sure, for sure. But, but it's just well, I, I mean, I, who I, doesn't I, like Michael Jackson? You know, I was well, like, exactly, kind of just like, like to say that is so ridiculous. But the stereotype about Michael Jackson wasn't that he was bisexual or even homosexual. It was that right. he was like a pedophile. It was I'm more like, of so the children thing. It just yeah. seems like a misguided joke. Like he didn't really understand who it was. It would be like somebody saying. Oh, boss likes Elvis Presley. You know what that means? Got to be a Jehovah's Witness. It's like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's, it's it's not connected in any way. I mean, this this dude, like, when they used when him and the other guy used the uh, Bluetooth radio, they link up their Pandora. Well, the other guy's Pandora, not Steve's. And Steve always wants to listen to country music, mm. like he, but old school country music, you know, like. Nothing really newer, like uh, Hank Williams, which is fine, whatever. Um, David Allen Coe, which is getting a little more, uh, a lot more Southern. Right, right. If you're familiar with some of David Allen Coe's songs and, like, lyrics especially, can be sometimes offensive. Well, offensive, I guess, in this day and age, but um, it's, yeah, he's got a very skewed sense of things. I don't know. Yeah. To each his own, Gian. To each his own. He's just like I don't. It was, he's like said some shit to the other guy today, and uh, just I don't know what the argument was about because I had my headphones on. I could just hear them arguing, mm-hmm. and he was just being so hostile, like he always is. 
And I was just like, man, I should just, I should fucking, like, just talk to the, like, boss when he gets back. Because I know the... Like, the <laughs> you should the, get him fired? Is well, that what you're Kind of, yeah. I mean, honestly, <laughs> I don't want to be that guy, but honestly, like, I think we'd better be better off. Because, like, the boss doesn't like him. I know he doesn't like him. He doesn't like the things he says. He curses too much. Whatever. Um, both of the dudes, I think, and the owner of the company I work for are very... I mean, I guess they're pretty religious. Mm. Like, they're, they're churchgoers. Uh, they're pretty religious. Mm. Um, I mean, so I know they don't really like him, like the things he says. Right. And I don't like the way he treats the other guy. He's like, because the other dude's really nice. He's really cool. Oh, dude. he's okay. Um, so he's like an alpha. Like, he likes he's, to. Like, I wouldn't even say he's alpha. He's like, he's like, let me show you how to do oh, it. Okay. You know, like, this is the way to do it. The dude who's temporarily running the place is always like... I, I think Steve was trying to show me something. He was trying to tell me a trick the other day. And Vitaly, the guy who's like temporarily our boss, um, was like... He's just like, dude, just... He's like, don't listen to him, man. He doesn't know what the, fuck, what the hell he's talking about. And I'm like, I know, man. I've gotten that by now. Like, mm-hmm. I know. I know. Mm-hmm. And he, he, like, he's... Steve's asked me for favors, like, to help him hook up his, like, iPad... And I was like, his home speakers to his computer and stuff like that. And I would be totally cool doing that if he was a nicer dude. If he wasn't so abrasive and just like, just the way he is. And this is a guy who like, I have to work with on a daily basis. He's a 50-year-old dude who's like been doing this like in the woodworking industry forever. Mm -hmm. Um and he, but he's just like he just bums me out like I don't even want to hang around because he's just like bumming me out I'm like this is who I have to fucking work with till we get more tables in and can get more people in here right you know and I'm just waiting for that day I'm like please get more shit in let's get this shop organized so I can get some like real people in here and not fucking lose my mind some real ass people some real ass people. Yeah, that's the biggest part about um, a working environment. I feel like if I can't get along with the people, then it's not going to work. Oh, it's out huge well. to like your job performance. Yeah. You know how you go in there every day. And really, it's just all about having a bunch of people who are open-minded, and minded, and understanding. Yeah. You know. So there's people I being mean, considerate. Like they don't, yeah. they don't even have to be open-minded. It's just like yeah, good you're point. gonna be just consider like a racist. Go ahead. I don't care. Well, I do. That's <laughs> shitty. But like, just don't. Just, yeah, don't just don't be racist. Bring don't it up your mouth and, when I'm around. You know, I don't like, want to hear that shit, shit to yourself. Yeah. yeah, very true. Very true. Hmm. Don't you gotta be somewhere, Mister Pino? I do in a little bit. Um, we got a couple minutes if we want. Although we're at an hour and a half, I think. Pretty decent episode. Anybody else have something they wanted to say, motherfuckers? Um, you got something mean, to say, bitch? Got something to say? You want to take this outside? Nah, dude. I'm. I think I'm all. Uh, yeah, pretty much it for me. You know. What about you, Gian Gomez? Uh, I'm good. I think I'm talked out now. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, okay, sounds about right. Uh, <laughs> well, thank you for listening to Mas Locos Episode Dos. Uh, I am Tyler Pino. Uh, be sure to check out Off Time Jive, OffTimeRadio.com. Follow us on Twitter at OffTimeRadio. Uh, you guys have any? What is your What is your Twitter, Gian? Uh, 
Where can they find you? Um, I should know this. I think it's at Narsic, I believe. Yeah, that's right. That's mm-hmm. what it is. Uh, I don't. I don't use much social media. I do have an Instagram, and that's. Um, I think it's Eugene the Unicorn on Instagram. If you Fuck wanna. yeah. Yeah. What's your website? Like you want to pimp your website? Oh, don't have it yet, buddy. Don't have oh, it. We're doing it this weekend. Yeah, I'm, okay. I'm real sloppy. You know, I've been getting these graphic design jobs and art jobs just through, uh, you know, mm-hmm. just through uh, mentioning that I'm an artist when I talk to people. So right. if I get that website, though, I'd get way more, way more work. So. Oh yeah. Yeah. We'll finish that shit up. Yeah, I know. <laughs> All right, well, yeah, I'm Tyler Pino. I'm Gian Gomez. And I'm Eugene Belasso. Uh, we should have a sign-off for this. <laughs> um, hasta la vista, motherfuckers. Yeah. Hasta mañana. <laughs> hasta mañana. Well, we won't see them tomorrow. That's true. That would be not true. What is, what is we? Both of you are Hispanic. How do you say weak in Spanish? Yeah, but we're not the... Weak in Spanish? Like weak as in... See you oh, next week. fuck, I don't know. Hmm. Uh, nope, don't have it. I don't know. We'll figure it we'll out. Figure we'll figure out. it out. We'll stick with hasta la vista, bitches. <laughs>